0: everybody hopefully this will be the last time i'm hosting this saturday edition of fearless with jason whitlock the highlights uncle jimmy should be back with us next week we're all looking forward to that that'll be awesome uh without uncle jimmy this week though we still had an incredible week uh i'm very proud of the entire week's worth of fire starters on monday I started out talking about Bill Maher and his show Real Time, and my belief that Bill Maher has been red-pilled. Bill Maher is lying to his audience and to himself. He's no longer a loyal Democrat. He's anti-Trump. And his enthusiasm for Trump resistance is rapidly waning. The liberal comedian's HBO talk show, Real Time with Bill Maher, has turned into a weekly ray of hope for those of us praying America snaps out of its left-wing fascism revolution. Every Friday night, it seems, Meyer finds a way to trash the woke. And every Saturday morning, across social media platforms, conservatives gleefully share his most recent rebuke of the left. The latest episode of his show convinced me that Maher has been red-pilled, and former President Donald Trump is the sole reason Maher won't admit it. Trump is the only thing holding together the Democratic Party. He fig leafs progressive insanity. On Friday, Maher opened his panel discussion addressing the Biden administration's catastrophic handling of our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Mar trash Trump, and then declared the former president number forty-five couldn't have made it more more of a mess than the current one, number forty-six. Listen to this: the pullout looks. Ex- I can't think of how it could have been any different if it was Trump. Honestly, I, I mean, how could it be more f-ed up? How could it how could it be more incompetent? How could it be more Trumpian? So, what do I say to myself to get to sleep at night? when the adults are back in charge and exactly as bad as Trump would. Well, you know how you would always say, I can't believe Trump did that. Nothing he did would make you think he had hit bottom and then he would- (laughs) Right. Well, he, it it could be worse. How? How? How could he made it worse? What could it be worse? Mm. That was Jackie Combs She's a columnist uh, for the LA Times, the Washington Bureau. Again, when faced with trying to explain what's going on in America, the only thing Jackie Combs could think to say is, well, it could be worse. Donald Trump could be president. That should be the slogan of the Democratic Party. It could be worse. I gotta give Mark credit for pushing back and that demanding that comms explain how things could be worse. You just saw it heard for yourself. She had no answer. She backpedaled and started claiming she wasn't trying to defend the Biden administration. The left is a house of trump cards. Remove Trump and the progressive movement immediately con- collapses beneath the weight of its bullshit. Remove Trump and the left can't defend the authoritarian actions it's taking to overhaul America's cultural norms. Without Trump, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and Twitter's Jack Dorsey would be viewed as treasonous villains for their censorship of free speech. Trump resistance justifies infringement of the Constitution's First Amendment. Big tech, especially smartphones, has too much influence over American society. On Friday, Maher ended his show explaining the negative impact of our cellular devices. Marr understands that smartphones and social media apps are disconnecting and dividing us. Trump resistance is the lone catalyst and justification for corporate media framing the events at the Capitol on January 6th as an indirection. The insurrection, that's the big lie. No one authentically believes you can overthrow the government with flagpoles, moose heads, and zip ties. The Taliban, they staged an insurrection in Afghanistan. Trump supporters staged an unruly criminal protest that never reached the level of violence seen at a typical Antifa or Black Lives Matter protest. Without Trump, The left would have to vigorously defend its contention that men can be birthing people. You've heard that, right, birthing people? It would also be forced to defend allowing biological men to compete against women in sports. Would America's laissez-faire policy at our southern border exist without Trump? Our immigration policy makes no sense. It can't be defended. It doesn't serve the greater good of our country. It's as big of a mess as Afghanistan. We're allowing illegal immigrants to flood our country simply because doing so is anti-Trump. Critical race theory depends on Trump resistance for legitimacy. It can't survive scrutiny and analysis. On Friday, Maher and his interview guest. Gay conservative writer Andrew Sullivan mocked the New York Times 1619 project and complained that the left has moved away from the goal of a colorblind society. You should watch his Friday show. It was amazing. Marr flirted with multiple third rails, including suggesting that vaccines and masks shouldn't be regarded as, more impo- as a more important response to COVID than exercise, losing weight, and, healthy, and a healthy diet. And yes, I'm talking about myself. Watching Marr on Friday made me ponder what the world would be like if Trump abandoned politics. Would it hasten the collapse of the fascist left? If you remove the Trump card, would it force the fake leftists to confront the fraudulence of the rest of the progressives hand? I believe at this point, the majority of leftists are fake. And I say that in all sincerity, the majority of leftists are fake. Black people, the house pets of liberals are required to hate Trump and all conservatives. Gangbangers and drug dealers command more respect in the black community than black Trump supporters. There's nearly as much pressure on white people. Who wants the baggage of being assumed as racist for espousing conservative beliefs? Disavow Trump and support leftist policy protects you from accusations of homophobia, racism, and misogyny. Pretending to be a Democrat exempts you from being held accountable for any violations of political correctness. Late night comedian Jimmy Kimmel co-hosted The Man Show and performed in blackface. He's in good standing. Meanwhile, Jeopardy! just canceled its brand new host because of things he said on a podcast no one listened to 10 years ago. No one even knows his name but he got canceled for stuff he said 10 years ago that everybody ignored, and we still don't know what he said that was bad. Marr recognizes this hypocrisy, and he likely knows that he would be canceled too if he didn't keep up the charade of being a loyal Democrat and devout Trump hater. Trump hate is the Democratic platform. It justifies Afghanistan, the border, 20 new genders, censorship, critical racism theory, mandating experimental vaccines, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Sometimes I think Trump has proven his point. He awakened the public to the swamp, the financial alliance among global corporations, political elites, and America's adversaries. Does he have more to offer? or is he now an impediment, a blinding force that stops well-intentioned people from seeing the damage the other side is doing to America? Could Trump save America by stepping aside and fully exposing the lunacy of the left? What I'm suggesting reminds me of the strategy that civil rights workers use to defeat segregationists. Bible-carrying men and women put on their Sunday best clothes and let photographers and cameramen document the behavior of bigots. The images won the civil rights movement, compelling liberals to defend their agenda without their trustworthy Trump card would unmask their wickedness. All right. That was my take on Bill Maher. Hopefully, you know, he hears that and maybe he'll invite me on his show. On Tuesday, though, I came back kind of on the same topic. I appeared on uh, Tucker Carlson's show on Monday, and I made the comment that a lot of what the left supports is satanic. That kind of took off, and I said, you know what? I can get a whole monologue out of that. Take a listen. I, I made the comment that uh, you know a lot of what the left supports is satanic. And I'm gonna double down on that right here today. A lot of what the left supports is satanic. I said that Monday evening on Tucker Carlson's Fox News program. Some people loved the comment, some people hated it, others were confused. Tucker got it, he agreed with me. It's difficult to unpack such a provocative and complex thought inside a short television segment. Let me unpack it here, where I got all the time in the world let me start here. Abortion, it's satanic. The left views abortion as a central right in its political platform. As a Christian, I'm uncomfortable supporting abortion as a right. I believe God objects to abortion. I don't think the government should be helping finance abortion. I don't think there should be Planned Parenthoods in every community, particularly the black community. But before I move on, Let me add a bit of context and some transparency. 15 years ago, after a night of drinking, I engaged in unprotected sex with a friend. She became pregnant. She never informed me. She moved back to her hometown and had an abortion. She told me a year later what had happened. At the time, I felt a mixture of sadness and relief. I did not want to have a child outside of marriage. I had no interest in marrying the woman I impregnated. At the time, I was quite promiscuous. I share all of this because I want you to fully grasp my point of view. I, like you, I'm a sinner. I have no interest in redefining my sins as virtues or sound pragmatic decision-making. Sex outside of marriage is sinful and therefore rooted in Satanism. Every time I've done it, It's been wrong and satanic. My problem with the left is, it's aspiration to redefine every form of sin as a natural desire we should not tame. Do what thou wilt is the unstated overarching theme of progressive politics. Do what thou wilt is the primary tenet of the Thelema, a cult established by English writer, Aleister Crowley, a Satanist. Do without wilt" means to seek out and follow your true path and will. Let me translate that for you. If you were born a biological man, but feel like a woman, go for it. Seek out your true destiny. That's why Tucker Carlson responded to my declaration that a lot of what the left supports is Satanic by mentioning the transgender issue. Here's my exchange with Carlson last night. Take a listen for yourself. I see a lot of what's going on here is, and I'm just sorry, I, I'm a man of faith. I was raised in the church. Th- this stuff is satanic. That, that's what's at the foundation of a lot of this stuff. Well, I'm a pretty mild Protestant personally, but I completely agree with you, especially the gender stuff. When you say you can change your own gender by wishing it, you're saying you're God and that is satanic. I, I completely agree. All sin is satanic. I don't wanna pick on people with gender dysphoria. Gluttony, it's satanic. You've seen me, you're looking at me now. You know I struggle with gluttony. My unhealthy eating habits are sinful. I don't support gluttony, it's wrong. It bothers me that the left is trying to normalize obesity. The singer Lizzo, she is not healthy. She's not sexy or happy with her weight. I'm not saying this to fat shame her or myself. I'm saying it because it's the truth. Our eating habits are satanic. Let me give you another example. Marxism, it's satanic. You don't have to accept my interpretation of Marxism. You can go read the words and the philosophy of Karl Marx for yourself. The German philosopher argued that religion is the opium of the people. In his Communist Manifesto, Marx attacked Christianity, writing, quote, the social principles of Christianity declare the, all the vile acts of the oppressors to be their punishment for the original sin and other sins or trials which the Lord in his infinite wisdom ordains for the redeemed. I mentioned Marx and his political ideology because the founders of Black Lives Matter are self-described trained Marxists. BLM's stated goal of disrupting Western civilization's nuclear family structure is an affront to God. The traditional nuclear family is taken straight from the Bible. Marxism, communism, and socialism all object to religion in general and Christianity in particular. The left supports Black Lives Matter and the Marxist principles at the root of disrupting traditional family structure as prescribed in the Bible. Corporate media, it's satanic. Its reliance on false narratives makes it the perfect companion for wickedness. Satan opposes the truth. He uses deception to foment division and chaos. Am I calling individual journalists, reporters, pundits, broadcasters satanic? No, I'm not. I'm saying they work within a system that purposely deceives the public and they know it. Black Lives Matters is a perfect example. Everyone knows that police are not systemically and or randomly executing black men. The raw data conclusively refutes the ridiculous narrative. On average, police kill a tiny number of US citizens per year, especially when you consider how heavily armed we are here. Police kill roughly 1,100 people per year. About 450 of those victims are white and approximately 250 of them are black. The number of those victims who are unarmed and pose no threat is minuscule. But the mainstream media has spent the past decade pretending that every traffic stop is a life or death experience for black people. Based on media coverage, you think black people run in panic every time we see a police officer. Oh my God, the police! The police! I gave you the police! Call a gangster disciple! Call the bloods and the Crips, Save me from the police! That's what the media pretends. Like, oh my God. My father carried a 38 revolver every day of his life. It wasn't to protect him from the police. But I I look at a lot of these people on TV, I'm like, what hood have they ever been in? There were little conversations about, oh my God. Detective Armstrong may come down here and shoot me. Oh, I hope Officer Friendly ain't tripping tonight when we go to the skating rink. Do, I'm do you, you remember going to the skating rink and worrying about whether Pookie and him was gonna act up and be shooting out in the parking lot? That's reality. Everybody that lives in any community, but particularly black inner city communities knows that's the damn reality. Why are we lying and pretending like some police officer is rolling through there doing drive-by shootings? Black Lives Matters is a deranged conspiracy theory group. The media uses Black Lives Matters for ratings and clicks. Working in conjunction with corporate media, the political left uses BLM and black celebrities to promote fear, racial division, and political allegiance. Rather than debate ideas, the left smears its opponents with allegations of racism that are supported by false narratives popularized within corporate media. Corporate media is satanic. I'm sorry, deal with it. The Bible is rather clear on the subject of fear. Corporate media fear mongers constantly. There are countless verses warning believers not to be controlled or manipulated by fear. My favorite verse on fear is, is a popular one. 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But perhaps more important than the avoidance of fear is God's desire for us to seek and follow the truth wherever it leads. It's the open hostility to the truth that reveals the left's satanic leanings. Only the left denies that the breakdown of family structure is at the heart of the problems confronting black America. Only the left believes stopping police misconduct with black resisting criminal suspects should be a higher priority than restoring the black family. The BLM lie, it's satanic in root and result. It prioritizes death by lightning strike and baits black people to ignore confronting the far more common causes of our deaths and failures. A lot of what the political left supports is satanic. I admit the satanic nature of my gluttony and other sins. I wish the left would own, acknowledge, and repent their sins. Oh man, I hope my friends on the left forgive me for that one, but hey, it's what I think. I'm trying to put some pressure on them not just you know people i love are on the left uh, but on wednesday i moved on to a more familiar topic for a lot of my fans i started talking about the nfl and there's been some interesting fights in the stands at nfl games and i think it's an indication of what this nfl season is going to be like for fans seated in the stands take a listen Pittsburgh police are investigating a brawl between a lone black man and a white couple that took place in the stands at Saturday's Lions-Steelers exhibition game. The melee was captured on a camera phone and shared across social media platforms. Perhaps you've seen the video. It is seemingly everywhere. Take a look at this for yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty ugly. You can see a woman standing and repeatedly shouting, shut up at her husband, boyfriend, friend, companion, whatever, and then turning to confront the black man who appears to be bickering with her male companion. She jabs her finger in the face of the black man and tells him to get the F out. The man tells her not to touch him and pushes her hand and arm to the side. She then slaps him. From there, as you can see, all hell broke loose. The white couple badly loses a two-on-one fight. Fans scream, someone uploads a video of the fight to Twitter. The video goes viral. People across social media take sides, debating who who instigated the fight. Did the black man unjustly push her first? Did the white woman spark the entire fiasco? Was the guy wrong for responding to being slapped in the face? None of that is all that interesting. You can argue either side. I happen to believe the woman wrongly threw gasoline on a lit match. Her male companion was seated and seemed to be doing all he could not to engage with the idiot intent on a confrontation. I blame the woman. But again, that's not really interesting. What's interesting is my belief that we're going to see more and more of these viral videos throughout the NFL season. Professional football, America's pastime, might turn into ground zero for this country's latest civil war. The NFL attracts the greatest cross-section of American sports fans. Both good old boys and homeboys love the NFL. So do the women who love them. The vaxxed and the unvaxxed. They love watching Tom Brady take on Lamar Jackson. Trump supporters and Trump haters. They sit next to each other at NFL stadiums. Notice I didn't say Trump supporters and Biden supporters. I'm not sure if there are any Biden supporters. It's Trump supporters and Trump haters. They sit at the same stadium. No one really cares about Biden. But the difference, the differences we used to ignore when we attended sporting events are now omnipresent within our minds. All human action, interaction, is interpreted through the lenses that assess skin color, political identity, sexual orientation, gender beliefs, and whatever else smartphones and social media apps have prioritized in our brains. We used to judge fans by the jerseys they wore. Not anymore. We now look much deeper. Does the fan wear a mask? Does he or she wear a mask properly? Is it covering their nose and mouth? Does that mask say Black Lives Matter, or does it say MAGA, or does it say Trump? Oh, is that fan unvaxed and coughing? My point is, we're all potential lit matches waiting to be sparked. Alcohol and emotion are the accelerants. Maybe women too. Two weeks ago, inside Los Angeles' shiny new SoFi Stadium, a similar fan brawl went viral across social media. The Rams and the Chargers were playing. This brawl appears to be between mostly Rams fans, but take a look for yourself. Let go ahead and recap this fight. The guy wearing the Aaron Donald jersey bluffs like he wants to take on a group of fans. He then thinks better of it, turns his back and begins to walk away. This thing is over before it ever starts. Then a woman I will affectionately call light-skinned Lizzo, she throws a Pepsi on the back of the guy wearing the Aaron Donald jersey and that from there, that's when the all hell breaks loose. I don't know if you saw it the first time, but there's a different angle of the fight where you can see uh, Eve, I I mean, light-skinned Lizzo, taking a bite of the apple and throwing the Pepsi, or she should be biting an apple, but take a look at this uh, video. Yeah, that's Eve taking a bite of the apple. The serpent told her, hey, you know what? Throw a Pepsi on this guy. That'll help settle things down. That'll make it better. Light-skinned Lizzo should be charged with a hate crime or sparking a melee, a brawl, or what, a instigating a riot. But anyway, maybe these two fights are just isolated incidents. Fights have been taking place inside football stadiums for years. However, I suspect we're going to be seeing more of them spill out over social media this season. America is filled with rage and tension. Listen to this and stick with me here. I'm gonna connect something to football that you normally wouldn't. Despite fewer vehicles, Being on the road due to the COVID pandemic, traffic fatalities have risen across America. Less cars on the street, more traffic fatalities. What could that be? Is there a bit too much tension? Are we too addicted to our smartphones thinking the world is gonna end? And if we miss this text, if we miss the next update on our social media app, and so we're looking at our phone, are we just more intense? Then check out th- this next one here is not just road rage, also deaths from road rage, also skyrocketing over the last year since the pandemic. We're on pins and needles. We're angry. We've been programmed to hate and assume the worst about each other. It feels as if the puppet masters are frustrated. We no longer have world wars. So they're promoting civil wars across the globe. The Purge, you seen that series of movies? it could potentially start at an NFL stadium near you. All right, all right, all right. Now it's time to get to what I believe may be my greatest Firestarter monologue column that I've done at least in the last 30, 40 days. I'm not gonna call it the greatest of all time, although it's very creative. Somehow Rachel Nichols got dumped from ESPN and I connected it to the Taliban. You gotta gotta hear this to believe it. The Taliban, Rachel Nichols, Afghanistan, and ESPN, ESPN President Jimmy Pataro all wrapped in the same package. Listen to this. ESPN President Jimmy Pataro is engaged in a prolonged war with the Taliban, commonly referred to in sports media circles as the BLM, LGBTQ Alphabet Mafia. Wednesday, under the tenets of Shah Maria law, the Alphabet Mafia beheaded NBA broadcaster Rachel Nichols for private disobedience of identity politics guidelines. ESPN removed Nichols from its NBA coverage and canceled her show, The Jump. With a year left on her contract, according to reports, Nichols will no longer appear on the Worldwide Leader in Sports. A year ago, Nichols, a white Jewish woman, gossiped with a male member of her tribe about ESPN management, handing black colleague Maria Taylor a job that had been contractually promised to Nichols. Unbeknownst to Nichols, her comments were accidentally recorded by a camera within her Orlando hotel room and subsequently shared with leadership of a Taliban cell headquartered in Bristol, Connecticut. Because Nichols made these inconsequential comments during the summer of 2020, the first holy holiday celebrating the death of career criminal St. George Floyd, the Alphabet Mafia placed a bounty on Nichols's career at ESPN. Working with Maria Taylor, The Alphabet Mafia newspaper of record, the New York Times, smeared Nichols as a bigot, forcing Jimmy Pataro to execute Nichols. Now, some critics are comparing Pataro to US President Joe Biden, saying Pataro's submission to the sports media Taliban is analogous to Biden's catastrophic Afghanistan exit. The New York Post influential media critic Andrew Marchand published a column Wednesday night, blaming Pataro for fumbling the Nichols-Taylor dispute, writing, quote, in the history of sports media mismanagement, the way ESPN handled Rachel Nichols' situation may not be the worst, but it can make a case. The fiasco was the result of embarrassing indecisive management from ESPN chairman, Jimmy Pitaro on down. More than a year ago, ESPN did not do anything of substance about Nichols's comments when they first found out about them. Nothing, nada, end quote. It's a fair take. However, I disagree. I am far more sympathetic to Pitaro's plight. Let me give some full disclosure here. ESPN rehired me in 2013 to found a website dedicated to covering the intersection of sports, race, and culture. Unfortunately, my black skin did not compensate for my woke shortcomings, my faith-based conservative values, and my toxic masculinity. I was a frequent target of Deadspin's attacks. ESPN fired me in 2015. Six years ago, I was Rachel Nichols, a sacrifice to the Alphabet Mafia. Petaro inherited the Alphabet War from his predecessor, former ESPN president John Skipper. From 2012 through 2017, Skipper surrendered complete control of the network to the terror group, Deadspin, and its infamous warlord, Nick Ditton, the Osama bin Laden of the Alphabet Mafia. In mid-2017, I wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal explaining the successful insurrection Deadspin pulled off in the Disney capital, capital of Cabal, Connecticut. Deadspin's insurrection was quite similar to the events on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. ESPN security opened doors and welcomed insurrectionists onto its campus. Many ESPN employees worked in a clandestine manner with Deadspin Proud Boys, Tommy Crags, Tim Marchman, A.J. Delario, and single-token alphabet nationalist, Greg Howard. Denton, the founder of Gawker Media, used Deadspin to bully ESPN into adopting the identity politics agenda. For years, Deadspin attacked ESPN executives relentlessly exposing embarrassing details about the sexual malfeasance of the network's executives and personalities. Fear of being tar- a target of Spin's investigative team terrified ESPN leadership, especially Skipper. In 2018, Skipper was forced to resign when it became public that someone was using his cocaine addiction in an alleged extortion plot. I'm not making that up. Skipper resigned over a cocaine extortion plot. Skipper and ESPN's longtime head of human resources, an alphabet mafia soldier, Paul Richardson, negotiated a secret peace agreement with Deadspin. Richardson was the longtime head of human resources for ESPN. The network prioritized identity above talent and merit in its own decision making. In front of the camera, sexual identity, skin color, and gender, drove ESPN to form the worst Monday night football booth in the history of the iconic show, pairing legendary NFL coach John Gruden with solid baseball play-by-play man Sean McDonough and talented sideline reporter Lisa Salters. During the broadcast of football games, Gruden and McDonough routinely expressed horror at the level of violence displayed. I'm not making that up. Behind the camera, the sexual identity, skin color, and gender agenda led the network to elevate female executives to supervising positions over studio shows, which led to no impact, mostly attractive female broadcasters landing high-priced hosting jobs on nearly every studio show. Skipper gave huge contracts to Michelle Beadle, Kari Champion, Jamel Hill, Katie Nolan, Samantha Ponder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, If you want to understand why Maria Taylor balked at a raise from one million to $5 million and left for ESPN, you have to understand the culture Skipper, Paul Richardson and Deadspin created at ESPN. Taylor was radicalized by Taliban culture early in her career. She is quite talented, but ESPN raised her to feel entitled. Her black skin qualified her for reparations. Nichols is talented too. She's also accomplished as a journalist. She worked as a legit journalist at the Washington Post for eight years. Not Jeff Bezos's Washington Post, Nichols worked for the Graham family's Washington Post. Nichols fought her way to the top of sports media with hard work and cunning politics. She earned it. Yes, Nichols played woke to survive and thrive within corporate media, but she did not deserve this embarrassing public execution. She did not deserve the New York Times hit piece insinuating that she was racist, nor the savage and irresponsible tweets about her personal life. Nichols whined to a friend that identity politics stole an opportunity she had earned. Who wouldn't do that? Who hasn't done that? Nichols and Pataro are victims of a strategy Skipper and Paul Richardson implemented a decade ago. Potaro replaced Skipper in 2018 and immediately declared war on the sports media Taliban. Potaro demanded that ESPN sportscasters actually talk about sports rather than twitter approve political talking points. He bought out Michelle Beadle's $5 million a year contract when she could no longer hide her utter disdain for football, the primary ratings driver for all of sports television. Pottaro bought out Jamel Hill when she chose sophomore political commentary over sophomore sports commentary. Pottaro declined to participate in the sports media fantasy that a cute Boston bartender Katie Nolan was the future of sports television. Pottaro and ESPN Executive Vice President Norby Williamson were having great success smoking insurrectionists out of their Bristol caves. Everything changed in the summer of 2020. That's when a Minneapolis police officer assisted fentanyl activist St. George Floyd in the destruction of his life. In terms of cultural change and impact, Derek Chauvin's knee, far more powerful than Colin Kaepernick's it resurrected the Taliban, aka the Alphabet Mafia. Insurrectionists in sports media and across American culture glorified St. George Floyd so they could use him to seize power and exact revenge on the infidels who stray from or don't adhere to the politics of identity. What we've seen play out at ESPN over the past decade mirrors the rest of American society. Those of you applauding the death of Rachel Nichols, including those of you with black skin, you will be the next victim of Shah Maria Law. Now that's a fire. And if you think Thursday's fire was hot, woo, I ended the week. I set myself on fire. I I don't even know how to describe this other than to say, we gotta get back to one nation under God. Listen to this. I'm sitting in the comfort of my home last night. Uh, You know, very nice 2,200 square foot, three bedroom apartment. Uh, it's just me, uh, very comfortable in in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm looking at a colleague, uh, who's, I would think around the same age as me or a little bit older, uh, he's worth a lot of money and he's left the comfort of Dallas using his own money and working through an organization I think called the Nazarene Fund. And he's left Dallas and flown to the Middle East to rescue Christians, Afghan Christians. And I'm sitting in my home, very comfortable, very chubby, very whatever I am, relaxed, at ease, and I'm looking at a colleague risking his life, using his own money, using his platform to go save Christians. And as I watch this, the first thoughts that just run through my mind as a black man living in this America. Glenn Bett and other conservatives and people with Christian values are smeared every day as racist, as evil, as people that are uncaring, people that don't wanna provide a safety net for people that have less than them. And I'm looking at Glenn Beck over in the Middle East. Is Ben Crump, Al Sharpton, have they flown? to the Middle East to save Christians or anybody. I was embarrassed for myself last night. Like not that I could have done it, but it's like, what have I done? We have chaos all over the world and over in Afghanistan and Glenn Beck's on national TV. They're burning people at the stake. And this is what drives me crazy about what's going on here in America. We so smugly think we're better than everybody else. We're better than all the people from the past. Oh, they had slaves. They did this. They did that. We got to throw it all out and everything's got to be our way, my way. And everybody from the past is evil and racist and we can't respect them. Only Colin Kaepernick can be respected. Only the woke can be respected. Are any of them on a plane over in the Middle East trying to save Christians? And I'm talking about specifically to those of us that have been raised in the church. And I'm talking specifically those of us who are black that were raised in the church. We are being blinded by race. And can't see what God filled people are trying to do in this society. We've turned a conservative Christian into our enemy. And I'm looking at evidence at Glenn Beck, worth millions of dollars, willing to risk his life and money to save other Christians. And I know he would do it for me, you, and any other Christian here in America. But we want to call these people the racist threat That are mortal enemies. You think a man that would get on a plane and fly to the Middle East in this time, this week. To save Afghan Christians. You think he's the problem. We have to snap out of this. The left is blinding us to our natural allies. It's Christians. I'm not sitting here on a pedestal. I keep it real with y'all every day. I am not perfect. I am a flawed sinner. I'm not coming to you from above. I'm not ridiculing your sin because I'm a sinner. Damn it, we got to cut this out. We can't keep destroying our natural allies because the left has told, oh, they're Trump supporters. That same Trump supporter might be the person that saves your life because of their Christian beliefs. The the history is littered with it. Who do you think brought us out of slavery? Who do you think was on the front lines willing to die during the civil rights movement? It was Christians. We think everything is black and white. And the only judgment we need to make is what skin color a person has. And then what political point of view do they have? Oh, he's a Republican. He's my enemy. Are you kidding me? You can look at a man with that kind of wealth and money, his own family to be concerned about, he will get on a plane to go save Christians in the Middle East, and you think that's your enemy? I'm sorry, and, and I brought my Bible, and I'm about to curse, and I'm trying not to, but you're a fucking idiot. At some point, we have to snap out of this delusion. And I'm not trying to cast everybody on the left as evil. I'm not trying to cast non-believers as evil. I'm just trying to tell you what I know. If you want to improve yourself and improve this country, we have to go back to one nation under God. It's the only thing that can save this country. And I say that, I've written, I've talked about, I've pictures, y'all know who I am. I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not T.D. Jakes, I've lived in the world, I've done it all. I'm not coming to you from some religious high horse, I'm coming to you from a logical perspective, an understanding of American history and a growing understanding of world history. Our salvation is through Christ. I'm not telling you oh what church to go to. I'm not telling you even got to go to church, but we must restore Christian values to our culture. We have to look at something more important than our skin color when we're evaluating people and when we're evaluating the actions we should take, who we should look to for support, guidance, leadership. We accomplish great things in this country because we put some Christian values at the forefront. And what that will do is make you tame your uncivilized desires. It's only gonna get better next week. Uncle Jimmy will be back. I think he's over COVID. He's over all of his issues. Fearless with Jason Whitlock will be even better next week.